Yeah, we can't, like, put our forearms too much onto the table. I'm gonna eat the fuck out of this mic. I'm gonna eat the fuck out of this bitch. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 Fliggity folks. Fliggity folks, we are too many flicks. Flicks! My name's Ian. My name's Ben. And we're here to bring you all that good old movie news down, down, down going over there in the West. Bring it on down. Episode 13. Lucky 13. Lucky 13 right there. Right there. All right. Uh, enough of that. We're going to yep. get in some uh, tasty trailers because I think we're famished. Tasty trailers. So I'll kick her off this uh, week, Ian, with uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Finally, we were gifted with the trailer. <laughs> a real treasure, yeah. Real treasure that is Sonic the freaking Hedgehog. Uh, it's directed by Jeff Fowler, starring Jim Carrey, James Marston, Ben Schwartz, and Neil McDonough. Yep, that's they're in that. It's true. Uh, and What's uh, about, Ben? Give me that, uh, give me that log line. Uh, a cop in the, the rural town of Green Hills will help Sonic Escape from the government who is looking to capture him. Ian, I, what, what, what did you think of this, uh, this less than appetizing trailer? Ooh. No! Oh my god. Alright, so... <laughs> I think the only way to frame this movie for us is to think about why it was made. Okay. Why Why would you make a Sonic the Hedgehog film and why would you make it this way? Why? Why? So... I why make a Sonic movie now because it's nostalgia like fest over here for the past few years and I think that they're trying to sell toys. That's literally what this movie says to me. Yeah, it it seems like it's geared towards kids, but it's weird because I don't think kids know that much detail about Sonic. It should be geared towards us in a way. I don't think it should be a full-on adult movie. Sure. But sure. if you're going for that nostalgia factor, first make the character model look cute. Oh, God. Because it looks absolutely terrifying. I want to know what the rejected Sonics look uh, like. Yeah. <laughs> what did they reject to like, come This is the this? one that they passed. You have They're to remember like, that. He's like eerily skinny and like human legs and teeth. Eh, oh, my God. It's, it's weird. Yeah. But like, again, maybe it's just not for us. I saw on Twitter, I think, or I think my wife Ann showed it to me that this is the tether of De Detective Pikachu. Yep. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> it's right but though, so it's true. so accurate. Yeah, this is just, uh, in the trailer alone with Gangster's Paradise, how does that fit in? Ian, do you know how that fit in? Is he a, is he a gangster? Is, are they in paradise? I don't. Maybe 
because he's collecting gold rings? I don't I don't know, but it's it's very it's a weak connection at best. I think that they really just wanted the, that fucking that string part to the song. You know, they like but I, even even then I don't know why. Like Yeah, why do that? Because it it didn't necessarily fit the vibe of the I don't know. It just I, I'm so confused as well. You can kind of tell that they knew by the release date, November 8th, because this seems like it should be a summer movie, right? Yeah. So maybe they were like, uh, maybe we can get some of that cheap change on like when you have the, the Thanksgiving week off, kids can come and see this. So I think I think you're hitting the nail on the head right. there. Uh, they realized that they weren't going to be able to contend with the other blockbusters out in this summer. And I think that they were like, well, fuck it. Let's just try to market it as a holiday movie. This ties back into my theory. It's yep. all about selling toys. It's all about selling toys. You get toys. kids excited about Sonic right before December. Like, you're going to have, like, <laughs> and then you release all the merch. Yeah. Uh, so any pros about this movie? Any Anything that stood out to you that you were like, this is not bad? There were only two moments that I was like, you know... I just need to give it a shot still. I am excited that Jim Carrey is... Eggman, despite how weird his character is written, <laughs> like I don't remember Robotnik being like that, but maybe maybe he was, you know. Um, and I also did enjoy just a little bit the part where he's moving super fucking fast and playing, you know, drums with the missiles and putting them back into the drones that are attacking him. I don't know. <laughs> that was you're struggling. I'm really struggling you're to find good things. Like I want to be a positive right. person because art is good and. Right. People make it, and it's hard to make art, but right. with something like this, I just, I don't know. I, it's tough. It, there's a 5% chance this movie can actually wow us and be adequate at best, I think. There's a 1% chance that it'll be amazing. Yeah, I think that's a generous estimate. Right, uh... I, it is confusing to me why this movie, why now, uh, this is goes into our category, who asked for this? Who? 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 Because I, I have no idea. But, you know, I don't want to completely dump on it. I feel like that's a bit of a, uh, of a fad. I don't want to just be like, look at this movie, how terrible it is. I, I really hope that it turns out to be good. I feel like there is a good movie in there. I feel like there's enough with this material and source material that you could actually make it kind of fun. But I don't know why they're going with this real world thing. We don't. So part of yeah. it is we still know absolutely nothing about the story. That's true. Unless the story really just is Sonic running from the government. <laughs> Which, you know, sure, fine. But sure. that's like, there's a lot in there with like chaos emeralds and stuff that we haven't even seen or like that's learned true. about. There's, who who knows? Maybe they will have like a well-written story and they just really biffed it on the production design. Yeah. But who knows? You gotta, you gotta stay hopeful in these times. Did you, you like that to. Eggman reveal at the end? So the only thing that I liked about that uh, <laughs> was that I saw that they were on like a giant mushroom planet. So right. we're definitely leaving just the Pacific Northwest because that's not like there are so many better places that a Sonic story could happen but I get why they did it like the right. long streets the bridges I'm pretty sure there's even like a Sonic game that's set there yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. It, look it's, it was also like I feel like the directors and the producers are like oh wait they're having a terrible reaction to how Jim Carrey looks make sure we put in that, that one look that he looks like Eggman actually throw right. that in it, there at the that's end definitely like a reassurance to the older folks that are familiar with the Sonic universe being like don't worry don't worry he becomes Eggman and he's not shaped like an egg anymore, but he's definitely got the wild, crazy mustache yeah. with the goggles. Maybe it's just a new take on Hamlet. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe we just don't know. Underneath all of this is actually an adaptation of Shakespeare's Hamlet. <laughs> 
This is the next Lion King, everybody. Yep, yep. We with, give you Sonic right, the Hedgehog. Yeah, right. Maybe Tails is Ophelia. Oh, 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 Ophelia. Uh oh. Uh, that uh, was uh, me. I really botched it. I was trying to make it sound like I said I feel you, like I knew where he was I headed. I feel you though. Okay. Hey. hey. Ophelia though. Oh. <laughs> that brings us to our next trailer, <laughs> folks. We are taking a look at the movie entitled Ophelia. It drops June twenty eighth. It's directed by Claire McCarthy, and it stars Daisy Ridley in her first non-Star Wars film, Tom Felton, George McKay, Naomi Watts, and Clive Owen. This story is essentially a reimagining of Hamlet, but it's told from Ophelia's perspective. The trailer looks very cool. I've heard some reactions to the Sundance screening that were mixed at best, which is a shame because I was really excited to, I think this is a really, really cool side of the tale that never gets discussed. I was hoping it was going to be sort of a la Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. I don't know. What did you, what did you see, Ben? Yeah, it, it looked phenomenal, honestly. I really enjoyed this trailer. I know that you told me that some people are a little sour on the movie as far as the reviews are concerned. So that does give me pause, but I have to tell you, man, some of the cinematography in this and the production design and this the color scheme looked really, really fascinating. It looks and great. It looks great. I, I want to see more. And you, you tell me you got Daisley Ridley as the lead playing Ophelia. I'm like, well... Of course, I'm gonna see this. Clive Owen as the king, like yeah, as Claudius, yeah. I I want this, and I really hope that I get something out of it that maybe the critics did not. I don't know. So what I found through some of my sleuthing is that they do change up the Hamlet story just enough that people are willing to say like this is no longer really Hamlet mm. though. And I think with such an iconic story, that's that's a really really tight line to walk. Apparently, the war plays a much bigger part in the story and it's sort of a war drama so they apparently add a bunch of new characters into the story of hamlet and change up just enough of the plot points that it apparently is no longer as compelling as it potentially could be which is something that i think rosencrantz and guildenstern did very well is that it, it was a body of work that used the actual hamlet text to ask new questions and that was something else that stuck out to me you can't you can't do any sort of telling of hamlet where you say it's hamlet <laughs> and then not use any verse. Like, you can't yeah. tell me, like, this movie is, like, like it's, like, a retelling of Hamlet. Okay, dope. Like, give me some of those sick-ass poetry lines. Like, yeah. shred some poetry music to my ears. That's the jam. That's the whole hook of any Shakespeare, I think. You just can't remove, pick and choose, like... Right. I'm yeah. not asking for a whole movie. Of course. But give me, like, some, like, you know, there's such good language in that piece. And you know what? Perhaps this brings forth another point. Maybe Hamlet is overcooked. Perhaps there are so many other pieces that I don't see done enough from Shakespeare mm. that I think it would be really cool. Maybe like Cymbeline or like Antony Cleopatra or any of these other lesser known, the Merry Wives of Windsor. Like I think it would be really cool to really have an in-depth look at these other pieces by Shakespeare as opposed to just Hamlet. But if you're gonna do Hamlet, you gotta do it fucking right. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do your new a new take on it, I understand making something fresh. 
But Hamlet is close to, in my opinion, I know there might not be a lot of Shakespeare lovers and that's fine, but in my opinion, I think Hamlet is close to perfect. So why really fuck up with too much when you already have a story there? And if you wanna tell it from Ophelia's point of view, like there's so much to go on. There's so much to like redirect it to her, her person, her point her of arc, view. Her. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see that that's one of the supposed flaws of the film because I think this may be a case of just doing too much when you don't have to do that much at all. Well, and and I feel like this is such a cool story that could be because we, if you deal well with the, the madness and sort of the supernatural aspect that is inherently there and really blur the lines between that, and then you also have this strong female character that she's such an iconic role, but in the play, from what I remember, she's just sort of a pawn. And if you give, like, if you wrote this story well, you could give Ophelia some real agency and make, make a, a compelling story about a woman who watches the man that she loves sort of descend into madness because of his like thirst for revenge. I think there's a lot of interesting commentary that could be there on, you know, some toxic masculinity or something, some, yes. some sort of stuff like that. Like, you know, like he's so consumed with plotting to kill the man that killed his father for like his father's honor and stuff like that. And I think there's so much there to play with that early reviews are saying just didn't get touched on. Like they just went the route of some sort of war drama that feels lackluster and that's a real shame i just you know i bet the death will still be sad though yeah. and at the funeral you gotta wear black you gotta wear black you gotta wear black at the funerals they're big deals yes it's gonna be a bunch of people in, in black. black hark thou shalt be in black <laughs> which brings us to our <laughs> next trailer folks how's that for you what are we what are we looking at next ben in black what imagine that international here comes the man in black international coming to avenger international uh comes out june the 14th <laughs> it's directed by f gary gray it's starring the chris hemsworth tessa thompson liam neeson emma thompson and camille nanjiani let me give you a little bit yeah i'll tell you a little bit about this little, you want to know about it about? i got you i got you i i got you dog agent h and Agent M employ high-tech weaponry to battle mischievous aliens on Earth. That's Terra Forma. That's what that, that's what they're doing. Damn. Yeah. Crazy trailers. The second wow. trailer. We mentioned the first one already, but this is the second one. This is pretty cool. It really tells us about the plot. It shows us Does a little it? bit more. Kind of, right? No, the agents are being like we, swapped out for uh, alien things. Oh, I, yeah, you're right. I actually, I put that in my notes. Like, we yeah, get introduced yeah. to the new big bad, the yeah, Hive. Yeah, 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 the Hive. Do you think we'll see duplicates of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in this? <laughs> that's, what they're, that, that's what they're going with. Come on. That would be really cool. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> Something that I didn't think or recognize until you just read that log line is that their agents H and M. God damn it. Yeah. Talk about product placement. Product, but I feel like wow. H and M specifically, like they probably yep. supplied the suits and shit. God damn it, H and M. You know, they've supplied the shoes. That I'm I guarantee you that those suits lasted all of three takes and then they had to buy a new one. You sons of Yeah, definitely, definitely ripped around the armpit region. Yep. Cause that always fucking happens. You blasted H and M. You think you slick? So, to to like reroute my my tangent though. Uh, <laughs> 
it is pretty clear that we are going to see a lot of new tech from Men in Black, uh, the agency. We see Tessa Thompson's character and we learn a little bit more about her. She is an intelligent sleuther is the wrong. I've just used sleuth today. I can't use it again. <laughs> I have a set number of, I can't keep repeating words. I, she she is like a an amateur detective that finds Men in Black and that's how she, she gets herself recruited. She's like, nah, mm. motherfuckers, you need me. And then they send her to London right away. And I don't know, it looks cool, it looks sleek. I told you this, Ben, I think it feels, it feels safe. Yes. Like they're playing it safe. They wanted to make a Men in Black universe and they're like, we're just, we're gonna wrap ourselves here in this little story blanket. We're gonna have all the necessary things for a blockbuster and it's gonna be warm and cozy. Which is a good point that you bring up, Ian, because you are soft, maybe like a soft reboot of the series, a series that's beloved by a lot of people. Yeah. With two iconic actors and Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in their, each in their own respects, carrying this franchise for a long time. Yeah. So you tell me there's another men in black without them i think the route that you need to go is risky risk it for the biscuit baby like go big or go, go home go big or go home safe may end up not getting you as much money now i do think chris hemsworth and tessa thompson are a draw oh without a doubt their chemistry is all, they're just they're both so incredibly charming to watch on screen right but does this trailer do enough to be like oh yeah fuck everything else like i want to see where this goes and safe may not be the best way to go we will track it in this box office numbers but you might be right Ian I think maybe it's playing a little too safe well there's only one way to tell you know uh, right. and that is time we must let the ceaseless march of time reveal whether or not <laughs> this Men in Black soft reboot will sink or swim yeah will it be or both yeah or float or it, you know maybe it floats maybe it like floats like a bloated body like a bloated body you know what that's yep that's what been in the water for about a week <laughs> now oh sorry no, that That's was a smelly body. I, Have you I, been preserved? Is it salt water? <laughs> <laughs> we are so off track right now. Right, I'm yeah, sorry, it's all Matt. good. God, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> It's, uh, all, it's all. It's usually my fault. This these past few times, I right. feel like uh, it's okay. But you know, th their chemistry is really good. It seems like you have you know someone who's more gung ho and ready to fight in like uh, Chris Hemsworth, and you have someone who's a little bit more book smart in Tessa Thompson. Which leads us to our next movie. Ian, tell the people we talk in book smart coming out May twenty fourth. This is the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, and it's starring Caitlin Dever, Beanie Feldstein, Jessica Williams, Lisa Kudrow and Jason Sudeikis. And there's like so many more. They they like drop a list of a names lot. on some of the trailers and it's just so many stars wanted to work with Olivia Wilde. That's pretty fucking cool, I think. The, the little, little, little tidbit of the story for y'all. On the eve of their high school graduation, two academic superstars and best friends realize they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall short of their peers, the girls try to cram four years of fun into one night. Woo! Woo! Fuck! This movie, so we, we covered the first trailer that this thing had a, a while back, uh, approximately 10 episodes ago. And we were excited then. And this really just got me more excited. I think what this mm -hmm. trailer did really well is the last trailer focused on the two young leads who are hysterical and they're sharp and they're funny. We saw a lot more from the supporting characters this time. And they look like they're just as well written, just as much on point. It got me super hyped, Ben. What are you feeling? I'm hyped as hell. This You tell me this is Olivia Wilde's first directed film. Mm -hmm. And it looks fun. Fire. And she got it's at a hundred percent, y'all. That's crazy. Tomatoes. 
That's crazy. That's like Jordan Peele level. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Good shit. I love it. It's something fresh. It's something new. You got, you know, two strong female characters in the lead and, and some of them are queer and some of them are not. And I'm like, all right, I'm fucking on board. Finally, some freshness. And you, now you show me Jessica Williams in the trailer. I'm like, fuck yes. You're doing <laughs> yes. everything right. Everything right. It looks hilarious. Again, I think this is something you said the last time we saw the first trailer or the teaser that it looks like super bad, but a better version. More like, progressive. Not not only more progressive, but I just it it looks like it's going to be funnier somehow. Like, yeah, I think that Superbad is dated. I think it was good for when it came out, but this just seems like it's more cleverly written. It is cleverly written. I think you're right, man. I look forward to this, man. I really do. I need I need something to laugh at this summer. You know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening in the world, and this just seems like a good fucking time. I really wish though that the music was "I'd Be Fresh as Hell" while the feds watch. Oh, that would have been perfect. That, you're right. I mean, the song that they do use, Nobody Speak, right. from Run the Jewels, it's, it's good still. fucking good, yeah. But yeah, no, that would that would have been, <laughs> that would be fucking perfect. Yeah, man. You, how old are they? They're on the verge of 21, no? Well, no, because they're graduating they're, high oh, school. Oh, so they're like 18. They're, they're 18. I can't wait for the sequel when they are 21, and maybe they can cross some bridges to life. <laughs> Oh, Whoa, oh, oh, which brings us to our next trailer. 21 Bridges comes out July the 12th, and it's directed by Brian Kirk. It's starring Chadwick Boseman, J.K. Simmons, Taylor Kitsch, yeah. Stefan James, and Keith David. Now, Ian, would you like to know what this might be about? What on earth? So, yeah, what has 21 Bridges? Tell I'll, me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. A disgraced detective in the NYPD is given a shot at redemption. And it's also produced by the Russo brothers. I have to throw that in there because you can kind of see their hands in this. Yeah, that's a big deal. You still didn't tell me what has 21 bridges been. Oh, New York, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there, there we go. <laughs> New York. I was like, that was a good log line, but yeah. fuck, I, uh, yeah. I answered this question and we, I wanted the folks to know. You know, yeah. I didn't want the listeners to be answering. They're like, wait, what, what has 21 bridges? This is the worst riddle ever. What the fuck? What? Yeah, doesn't tell. <laughs> Yeah, this movie looked great, man. You got a really fine rocking ass cast in this bad boy. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this movie snuck up on a brother, too. I was like, what the fuck did this movie come from? I remember, I think we had found the title and like a short article about it a few episodes back, and it was just kind of like, oh, that sounds cool. Like an NYPD guy. Yeah, okay. Uh, like a, co- a crime thriller. But this trailer has explosive energy. Yes, it does. At first, I was like, oh, no, this could be some propaganda here. Uh, depending on where you fall on the lines of that. But there's a sequence on the train where two men of color look at each other and I won't spoil the trailer for you, but it really starts to delve deep, deeper than I thought. I thought this was gonna be just a surface level action movie, like the ones with like, you know, a type of diehard type deal, which is still might have elements of that, but this might go beyond the surface and really dig into something that is needed in, in a flick like the, this. Well, and they, it, it just looks Looks like the best game of cat and mouse yep. that I've seen in a hot in a hot minute because there there is so much happening. I think there's even a moment where like doesn't yeah I just go watch the trailer because now I'm now I'm starting to tiptoe into super spoiler territory. So right, watch that bad boy because you know what? Also, it really does 
what a trailer needs to do. So you watch the trailer and you're like, okay, this is nice. Then it builds upon each beat to where you're like, oh my God, what? There's so always some new piece of information being revealed. Without revealing too much. Take note, any movie that's coming out soon, please directors, producers, editors, take note on how you build a fantastic trailer. Cause this could have been just a run of the mill average action flick. And now I'm like, this has more. This seems like it has depth. And I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. I'm here for it too, you know? And I, I'm really excited to see Chadwick Boseman in a more grounded story. Nothing wrong with the MCU, that's fucking dope. But I love also just real gritty sort of character, like more based in reality stories, you know? I'm excited to see him tap back into that side of his, uh, his repertoire. Yeah, can we also talk about how the Russos are just huge now? They're, so yeah, they're gonna be, they're gonna be top dogs for quite, like for a good minute after after this Avengers Endgame high, if they if they keep playing their cards right, you know they they're kind of like the new James Camerons, if that yeah, makes sense. I like that. I like that. Are the new Wachowski sibling? Yeah, that yeah. could definitely be too. Yeah, maybe they'll redo the Matrix. I, I would be fucking here for a Russo Brothers Matrix reboot. We need, what, what, what would the story be about? I don't know, man. Because you can't just do like a shot for shot reboot. Like you the, world, the world has changed. Or maybe you just go like a, a hundred years in the future or something. Maybe just a soft reboot. I like, I like soft reboots. It still invites creativeness into the process. Yeah, like, I get this that. This is still the same lore and canon you're used to, but we're changing stuff around a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's, that's all the time we have for tasty trips. Trailers, mm. we're gonna go on to Flix News. Flix News, baby. All right, our first bit of news is a bit of sad news, unfortunately. Uh, it's about the director, John Singleton. He has passed away at the age of 51. It was April the 29th of this year. And if many of you know him for his works on Boys in the Hood, Shaft movie, Baby Boy, these classic black films, Hustle and Flow, he really was an integral part of Hollywood, a black Hollywood, and mm -hmm. he was a monumental pillar for paving a way for us as far as African-Americans and any minority to have center stage in movies, to have a center stage in movies, to be able to do things that may have not been, we may have not been able to do years ago. Um, he's very prolific and we wish his family the best. We wish his friends the best and anyone who was a fan. Ian, do you want to take anything from this as well? Yeah, he was an incredible director. He was the first African-American person to be nominated for best director at the Academy Awards. Wow. It's crazy that it took until 91 for that to happen, but right. Boys in the Hood garnered him that, that honor and also got a nomination for best original screenplay. This guy told stories that needed to be told, exposed a lot of folks that aren't in the center of like race politics, namely white folks, privileged white folks, but made them look at what really happens to to people that are far removed from them. He was very important because he played such a major role in getting the African-American experience out into the mainstream and really just helping people empathize, helping people learn and lifting up those who needed it. Yeah, It's always hard to do these memoriams, especially for someone it's, so important because- It is tough, yeah. There are people who are just gonna say it so much better, but I think- And he probably knew him close, you know, closer than we did. Right, but it is a tremendous loss and we wanted to talk about it. No, it definitely is. We will definitely definitely feel the weight of this and the best way to honor him is 
by watching one of his movies. Um, watching one of his movies and telling important stories. In yes, art, and, and telling and, important stories that try to do something, that try to get us to learn more about one another or expose injustices that need to be corrected. Absolutely. You know what we'll do right now is I will make a list of his top four movies for you to watch. And I'm going to start it off with Baby Boy. Please watch that movie. It was Snoop Dogg and Tyrese Gibson. It really puts Tyrese on the map. It's a fantastic movie. Is it a little dated? Sure, but it's great. And it really showcases his directing abilities. And that will be number four. Next week, I will do number three. After that, two, one. We'll make this John Singleton month here at Too Many Flicks. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Fantastic. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next bit of news. Ian, you want to hit the people with some Blicks news? Next up in Flicks news, we are going to be looking at a film called Just Mercy. And this film is important and awesome, not only because of its mind-blowing cast, which includes Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson, and Michael B. Jordan, just to name a few. It's also a huge shift for Warner Media. And the way that this all played out was Michael B. Jordan is an executive producer on this film, Just Mercy, which is, I think it's based, yes, it's based on an actual memoir. So this is a real life thing. It's a legal drama and it stars Michael B. Jordan as Stevenson, an attorney who takes the case of a man wrongfully imprisoned for murder. Now, Michael B. Jordan was an executive producer on this film and something that he did that I think Francis McDormand Mm -hmm. was like calling for people to do at one of the last Oscars is that he had an inclusion writer on his contract and he he was he really really pushed for it and Warner Media was like you know what that's such a great idea we are going to literally rewrite all of our policies just to like have amazing we are literally going to rewrite all of our policies just to make sure that we are hiring the best people that we are hiring diversely that it that we represent represent the entire world, not just one little sliver of it. And that's really fucking cool. They've just released, like, it's already changing the game in terms of how people are found. This, This is huge because so many jobs in the film industry would be gotten by word of mouth or kind of nepotism. You know, friendships, you you hire your friends to work on stuff because they need work. But there are stories coming from people who are on this Just Mercy production that are like, I was so shocked. I've never just had a producer approach me and say, hey, I found you on the union roster. I like your work. Let's do it. And that, that boggles my mind that that doesn't happen more often. But supposedly... Just with this this one small little change, people are finding work when they never thought they would. It requires producers and casting directors to actually work and not be lazy because I hate to say lazy, but that's kind of what it is when you just pull from the same group of people that you have been pulling from. Why? Now this forces you to actually look at the best available and look at minorities who may not have had the chance. And I love this. I love what Michael B. Jordan's doing. And this is another way to honor John Singleton. I mean, it is perfect culmination of everything that we are looking forward to that we want to see more in film and tv and i applaud this move by michael b jordan and everyone else involved good move really exciting stuff you might even say that they didn't come to play oh, oh. they did not come to play with this movie child's play oh oh <laughs> now this is going to be a little brief but we're just going to mention the poster that we saw yes this is for uh, the new child's play reboot they just dropped a a, a new tr- a new poster. Ben, what's on that poster? It is <laughs> Chucky walking by and you see a picture of his feet and then you see what looks like Woody dead. 
on the poster and I'm like, fantastic. That's how you do marketing. That's the best way. It's shots fired at Disney. I'm sure Disney's like, whatever, that's promotion for us too. Right, they don't get they don't care. They don't give a fuck. It, it's just brilliant. That's every time I wanna be like, I don't know about this movie, like, I don't care. They keep pushing something that really makes my head turn. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I see you. Yeah, and not only is it ballsy, it's fucking extra ballsy because they the two movies come out on the same day. <laughs> Jeez. And I, I have I have to imagine that they're that they're just being this irreverent that they're just the child's play team is just going to be this gung ho because they you know that when you release on the same weekend as Toy Story you're not going to beat Toy Story's box no, office not at sales all. so you might as well have fucking fun with it you might as well I don't know it, it's try a, to tap into that and it's a way to for adults who have kids to send their kids to see Toy Story and they can watch Child's Play. It's brilliant. And you know that they looked at the date and were like, we have to release this on the day that Toy Story releases. It's too good to pass up. And like, do you think we can get away with it? Like, absolutely, do it. It's bold. It's brassy. I like it. I want to see Child's Play now. They got some moxie, yeah. Good for them. Well, I guess... That's really all we have to say about that. We're going to move on to our next bit of news. Yeah. Hollywood's crazy, man. Which brings us to our next point of order. Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, we took a look at this film's teaser trailer a few episodes back and we noticed that in the casting there is Margot Robbie she's playing Sharon Tate and there's a character modeled after Charles Manson so we started like spitballing ideas and we were wondering oh could this be some sort of crime caper surrounding this iconic murder but we recently learned from the producers this is why it's news folks it took me a second to get there but this is why it's news the producers have confirmed that it isn't going to focus on and there will be no Manson murder uh, of Sharon Tate. So this raises the question, why are these characters in there? It's a very good question. I'm glad that they're staying away from that. We don't need for him to be idolized or looked up in any way. So I, I'm maybe it's just a brief like, oh, this is a moment that was crazy and then we're going to keep moving. Well, if you cast Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, well, like, she's going to be in the movie. You're right. right. Unless it's like some weird cameo. She's like, I just want to work True. with Quentin. It's like, okay. Like, again, likes. Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, I. It's a, it's a tricky subject to broach. It's tricky to even have them in there. Well, they, so they actually, uh, I, I did some research and right. Tarantino and Margot Robbie both consulted with Sharon's sister, Deborah. That's good. And she was totally like, and she was totally <laughs> on board with whatever capacity they use her sister in this story. The producers said that Tarantino especially was very, very insistent that he had to have the sister's permission. He's like, I need, he is essentially quoted as saying, I need her to sign off on this if I'm going to feel comfortable telling the story. Okay, so maybe she had a glimpse of the script too, I would imagine. And she was like, this is not bad. So, well, and something that I think is yeah. interesting, Tarantino has played with history before. We saw that in Inglorious Bastards. Right. So this may be the big historically iconic moment where that he turns on its head. You know, how they, spoiler alert for Inglorious Bastards, 
bastards coming up, how they <laughs> blow Hitler's face in with an MP40 in a theater as opposed to him dying in a bunker somewhere. Like, so we, maybe Sharon Tate will kill. Maybe Sharon Trump. Tate will kill Manson. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a great twist. We're calling it. Okay, so with that, we'll move on to another bit of Tarantino news. He's just lighting up the, the news circuits here. This light them up. Like, 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 like lights. Lights and lights. And, like flashing and lights. sabers. Oh, oh, I see where you're going with that. I, I, it was a stretch. Yeah, that was like a yoga stretch. It was a, it was a that little was like stretchy. Dog. It was a little stretchy, but I, yeah. I just totally fumbled the pass. Anyway, I was yeah, like, I was whatever. Like, <laughs> What's the news, Ben? The, no. <laughs> the this is so interesting for the I, listeners, I, I'm sure. But what's the news? <laughs> so. Uh, According to Collider News, Tarantino's potential Star Trek movie may still be in the works. What? I think that's fucking awesome news. Like, that will carry me through a very tough week, that there could still be a Tarantino Star Trek. But what does that look like? I have such a hard time. Like, he's a good director, but I have such a hard time wrapping my head around a Star Trek Tarantino film that could possibly be out of order. And does he put his name on? Like, <laughs> this is the blah, blah, blah number film the for Tarantino. Film or it's like, the 11th so film. you trump Star Trek in its by saying this is the 11th film <laughs> like it's a lot to process i think it might be cool whatever yeah uh, yeah I'll, I'll try not to be too much of a nerd be like my stern trick but i because it's a good director so like you would think it would be good he's gonna have a very unique take on it they're gonna be obsessed with songs from the 70s or the 60s <laughs> It's basically going to be Guardians of the Galaxy with people getting holes burned in right. them and shit. And is Leonardo DiCaprio in this? Do you put... Oh, please. Do you do you put John Travolta in this and Sam Jackson? Who does Sam Jackson play? Is he a Klingon? <laughs> it's so many questions. It's so many questions. But yeah, I'm just glad the movie is not dead. Let's just put it that way. Because it was dead for a while and I was like, no. So if we had to, ha has there been any word on which particular series he would be tackling? There was rumored word that it could possibly be in the next gen era. The next okay, generation. because what I was going to say, and you just, you sparked this in my mind, so thank you. He needs to do Deep Space Nine. <gasps> With Samuel Jackson as Cisco, like I'm just saying, I I know you're the DS9 expert. I I know very little. I haven't watched so all the way through the series, things. but that that would lend itself perfectly to Tarantino's aesthetic. There's a cantina, you know, you could have like a diner scene. There's there's intrigue. There's gritty war. Okay. That I, I think that would be the Star Trek that I want to see from Taran Quentin Tarantino is a Deep Space Nine with Samuel Jackson. So uh, there is an asterisk by his name. We will one day get into that as more information comes out I want to put that out there preface that with saying this his style of filmmaking fits so well in Deep Space Nine's world that now it is blowing my mind I don't know if they will that's a risk to take you already have Tarantino on this film and then you tell me it's set in DS9 which is honestly still divisive amongst Star Trek fans many Star Trek fans don't get me wrong love it and say it's the best series well the best written series out there I am in that camp but I don't know if enough mainstream people love DS9 but if he chose to do it it would be brilliant that's why it's perfect for him too I feel like is that it that's what no I used to like there appropriately okay yeah that's <laughs> 
but that's why I feel like it's perfect for him to tackle is because it's not the most popular one. It is divisive. And that's something that I feel he in particular kind of enjoys like playing. He kind of enjoys... He in particular likes to play that or walk that line, you know? I can just imagine what he would do with Gal Dukat. I just, if any of you watch DS9 and know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But I have to put a pin in it because we're going to move on to our next segment. All right. What do we got next, Ben? First issue. All right, to start off first issue, we're taking a look at Avengers Endgame. Imagine that. <laughs> They have reportedly rocketed past $1 billion in the overseas market, and they are well on their way to going to $2 billion in terms of global ticket sales. And that's just crazy. I think now, uh, as Deadline reports, it is currently the eighth highest grossing international film of all wow. time. It's it's wild. It's already beat out a few a few heavy hitters, you know, like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, The Fate of the Furious, Jurassic World. Not all of my favorite movies, but you know, <laughs> that shit plays well overseas. And it, it's really no surprise. Like, anyone who's shocked by this, this shouldn't really be called news. This should be called, oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh yes. Of course. Or, or well does. Like, well, duh. Well, duh. Okay, question. Do you think it will topple Avatar? See, Avatar sits at number one and you said it best man if anyone can fucking do it it's got to be the avengers like this is our this is our chance to unseat those papyrus <laughs> font using bastards <laughs> finally someone if in-game doesn't do it there's nothing i i believe in our lifetime that will I just don't see it. If M-Game does not topple Avatar, maybe something will come out of, out of the water and topple it like the next Avatar film. Oh, God. <laughs> There's your answer, Ben. You happy? That might well, You have to be careful it. what we wish for. <laughs> no! Because <laughs> no! if, if, if another movie that's not in the Avatar universe does it it has to be in game and if they don't i don't see it happening but hopefully two billion dollars is nothing to laugh at though i can't even imagine what two billion dollars looks like i don't I, even know what that is yeah no that's so far removed from what my actual reality is that <laughs> i don't think it's real i think they're just lying i can barely imagine five hundred dollars right on two billion <laughs> Five hundred dollars. What is that? That was rich people. It? Yeah, right. We'll get a yacht. I'm rich. I half a thousand dollars. <laughs> We're really just putting our fucking shit on blast out here, aren't we? We're poor. We're super poor. We're poor. I will literally have sex with a donkey for money. Oh God, Ben, don't do that. Here, I'll give you. <laughs> I'll give you five dollars. Jesus. Bring the donkey out. <laughs> no. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push forward. <laughs> Okay. I'm going next on the docket. If you, okay. if you don't take, this, good. take these reins. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. No donkey. <laughs> that, it's, it got way too real, real yeah, fast. Yeah, it did. I was crying. Anyway, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 3 begins filming in 2020. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm excited that they're back on they're back on track. We probably would have had a Guardians movie sooner if uh, you know if there wasn't that huge snafu a few years back. Yeah, that snafu. Just that little that little firing snafu. But we've got Gunn back in the back at the helm. We've got the cast still attached. They're using his script. Great. I'm excited. I'm wondering if this 
in any way altered their plans for the MCU. I, I imagine it had to. It might have. Because if we had gotten it sooner, I don't know, something might have like... Yeah. May have been changed. Yeah, like maybe it might have affected Spider-Man Far From Home's story in some way or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see where they take it. I love in particular when these comic book movies get off of Earth. It's already such fantastical stuff happening. Like, just get, get away from the mundane. Go explore the fucking universe. That's the only thing you can do now because Endgame was just so big and the Infinity War was so big. Like, the only way to go bigger is in space. Yeah, you gotta go cosmic. And this is how you do it with Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think this is how I'm speculating. This is a theory. But I think Guardians of the Galaxy is how you introduce the Fantastic Four. You've said that. Yeah, that's I why they're that. not on Earth. They could be stuck in space with their powers. Could change up the origin a little bit, but with that also comes Victor Von Doom. Oh my god! <laughs> it's funny that you say that because. I wonder if I sent it. I was reading an article today that was speculating what will the MCU's next big baddie be? Fuck, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it. But they, they talked about, I think his name is like, Kang? Oh, Kang, the time traveler. The time traveler Kang. Kang. Yeah. And it just seems like what they did with Endgame is kind of setting that up. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think that they might See. be onto something. And Kang is rumored to be either... Sorry, I, I'll, I'll let you go in just a sec. But no, he's ahead, rumored to be either the child, the illegitimate child of Tony Stark, or to be Ooh. Victor Von Doom's uh, son. You have... You open up the possibilities of a time travel in alternate timelines already. He could be like, our timeline's fucked up because of what the fuck you did. I travel through time. I'm a fucking, like, he would have a legitimate motivation to hate the Avengers and want to see them crumble. Mm -hmm. I think it's perfect. I think King is the way you go. And then after that, maybe introduce Fantastic Four, Victor Von Doom. There are also different timelines now. That's how you introduce the X-Men. This is how we get into really, really nerdy talk and sweatiness. <laughs> But with that being said, of course you want James Gunn to take his time on this. 2020, you probably won't see the movie to 2021, 2022. Take your time, nurture it, it's his baby. I'm willing to wait however long he wants, but I think this is gonna open the door to something else that we may be looking forward to with the next phase. Absolutely. But we'll stick on the James Gunn stuff, Ian. We got some more James Gunn news for a first issue here. We do, my friend, we do indeed. James Gunn's sequel slash soft reboot of The Suicide Squad has cast Portuguese actress Daniela Melchior in the role of Ratcatcher, a supervillain with the ability to control an army of, wait for it, you guessed it, rats. Oh, you mean not not the Rat Pack? Not like Dean Martin and, and Frank Sinatra? She can raise them from the dead and she's control bringing them. Back, she's bringing back the boys. <laughs> she's bringing back... <laughs> Yeah. That old crew, the Rat Pack. Just yeah. Dean Martin's skeletal corpse, like... Well, you know what? This is an obscure villain I don't know too much about. So there. Yeah, she's I a think that's, I think that's perfect, though, because that's what the Guardians were before yeah. James Gunn put his hands on that property, you exactly. know? Exactly. He knows what he's doing. He's going to elevate these heroes. Because you, you tell me... Before Guardians came out, that Rocket Raccoon, Rocket Raccoon's gonna be a huge thing, and it's gonna be a CGI raccoon. I'm gonna be like, what the fuck? Get out of here! Yeah. That's dumb as hell. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> James Gunn's dumb. He's a hack. He's a loser. Beat it, loser. Beat it. And here we are. And here we are. No. <laughs> He's one of the best characters in the MCU. So Ratcatcher has the ability to be one of the best. 
Villains! The bar's not high for the DCU, though. No, it's not. You can do anything at this point and be fine. Maybe James Gunn, maybe they'll hire him to be, like, a supervisor over the next couple of phases with DCU. Because I, I really, really want to feel that same feeling I felt when I saw Endgame. I, I want to feel that with DC, but it's hard because DC's heroes, and I am a DC fan before Marvel, but I have to admit this, I have to look at, I have to confront it. There's no more denying it. The heroes in DC are way too overpowered and mm, you have sure, to scale yeah. it back. You have to make Superman slightly less powerful. You have to make all these guys because they're, they're, it's hard to relate to them on screen in a live action production as opposed to comic books. Because comic books, you know, oh, it's elevated. We get it. Like, obviously Superman's almost invincible, if not invincible. Like, yeah, it makes sense. He's kicking badasses. You know, he's kicking ass all over the place. But as far as us normal everyday viewers to relate to a hero, they have to be relatable first. So hopefully we get that. And I think James Gunn is the right guy to do that for the Suicide Squad. <sighs> I guess we'll just have to wait and see, you know? I it, just, yeah. You, the, again, the bar for a good Suicide Squad movie is not very high. The bar <laughs> for a good DC Cinematic Universe villain is not very high. Nope. I would love. I would also love to see Gunn stay on as an advisor to DC, but I think Disney's gonna Disney's gonna work tooth and nail to make sure that he just he stays on their brand because why? It's such a valuable asset, such a creative individual. You know, you give him to the competition, they they might sneak up on you. We got it. We don't know what Marvel's next phase is. This yeah, why ruin that? Yeah, I just hope she pronounced her name as Ratcatcher. <laughs> Every moment on screen. <laughs> yeah, she has to. That's my parents other. were eaten by a swarm of rats. And that night, I vowed, that night as my heart broke to be, Rat Ketchup! It's for destroy the world. <laughs> okay, we're moving on to a little segment that I'm introducing here. It's going to be a monthly thing. Just once a month, I'm going to introduce to you guys a suggested comic book. So, comic book recommendations of the month. 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 I don't know. That was yeah, good. That was, no, good. No. that was good. Okay, cool. Uh, you got this, BB. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to suggest to you guys this comic that I picked up that I like a lot. It is really grotesque in nature. <laughs> it's it is pretty it's pretty out there. It's definitely for a mature audience and someone who likes blood and guts. It's called Crossed. And I'm sure some avid comic book readers who actually read comics know about this. But for those who may want to start a collection now, I'm going to suggest this as my first one. It's by Garth Ennis and Jason Burroughs. Now, what happens in cross is like instead of a zombie outbreak it's something akin to that but the people are somewhat coherent and they have crosses on their faces and it makes them savage beast which is very good in-depth look at america in itself mm, the mm -hmm. the worst of human beings comes out when they become crossed no one knows how they get that way they just are that way and this is the volume one so if you want to get started and if you think that this might be something for you volume one will definitely tell you and i'm going to read a little bit about what volume one has in store okay the first story volume one in trade takes place 10 months after the outbreak with flashbacks to those events as a small group make their way toward Alaska in the belief that its low population before the outbreak will mean there are fewer crossed to be avoided and that the crossed gleeful bloodlust hampers their ability to look after themselves. 
However, they encounter a small group of crossed who have a degree of self-control and subsequently begin a hunt for the survivors. Now, if that tickles your fancy, pick it up at your, at, at your local comic book store. Please do it. You'll love it, I think. Or you might not. But guess what? I'm going to introduce you to more comic books as the months progress and as we progress as a podcast. And there you go. Now we're going to go on to a segment that my good friend and brother Ian calls Netflix Now. 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 Ah, this moment. This is the moment. Damn all the odds. I knew you were going there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> All right, friends, so I'm going to deviate from the norm a little bit because I haven't had internet for a week. I've been moving and it's been chaotic, so it's hard to watch Netflix when you don't have the thing that it uses, which is internet. So I did start one series, though, thankfully, before I went back to the Dark Ages, and I want to just touch on it a little bit. I'm not going to go too in-depth because I'm going to be watching it right alongside you the moment I get my internet back, and that series is called Special. It's a great, great, great comedy that that I feel wrong just calling a comedy because it's a little more elevated than that. It's it's It follows a differently abled queer man. Uh, he is working at sort of, uh, I guess you could call it kind of a buzzfeedy sort of company. It's definitely supposed to mirror something like that. Actor, writer, Ryan O'Connell stars in this semi-autobiographical series based on his memoir. He plays Ryan, a gay man with cerebral palsy who decides to do away with his identity as an actor accident victim and go after the life that he wants. After years of dead internships, blogging in his pajamas, and mainly communicating through text, Ryan figures out how to take his life from bleak to chic as he gets ready to start limping toward adulthood. O'Connell serves as an executive producer on the comedy series, along with Jim Parsons. Now, it dropped April 12th. I've only seen the first three episodes, but it was very endearing, very charming, and honestly important. It tackled quite a few issues, uh, specifically pertaining to self-confidence and navigating one's sexuality. It's a great time. It does, it's art that's here to say something, but also just make you feel good. And that's a very fine balance that I like to find when people can strike that up. But I don't want to talk too much more about it. I'll talk more about it in the future. I do want to throw one more recommendation at you just because I know it's on there and it's a fantastic movie. And I know quite a few people who haven't seen it. If you haven't checked it out, the film Ex Machina is now streaming on Netflix. And while this is not a Netflix original, it is a film that's just totally worth your time. It's a small character drama with a good plot. Oscar Isaac does some tremendous work in this particular film. And so is the actress who plays Ava, Alicia Vikander, for those of you who are, might be familiar with her. She was in the Tomb Raider film, which was just all right, but she's good. And she does phenomenal in this as well. I believe that it was nominated for Yep, it won a fucking Oscar. That's right. I think it was for best screenplay. I'm pretty sure. Oh no, it was best achievement in visual effects. Yeah, Ava looks fantastic. Basically, the premise is this. A young programmer is selected to participate in a groundbreaking experiment in synthetic intelligence by evaluating the human qualities of a highly advanced humanoid AI. It deals with consciousness, the ethics of creating a being, what do you do with that being. Fantastic film with a lot of intrigue and a little, a little spoopiness. It's not a horror movie, but it keeps you on the edge of your seat at times. And that's all I got for you, folks. Two solid recommendations. There's plenty more out there. There's plenty more to come, but that is Netflix, Netflix Now. Now.
Yeah. So what you doing? Yeah, boy. Get, what you doing? Stop listening. Get, no, don't stop. Don't stop. After you lis- listen to us, go watch some Netflix. Yeah. Do it. You worked hard. You deserve yeah. this. Do it now. Do it now. now. Get to the Netflix. All right. We're going to start some game stuff now and, and stuff. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Wee. All right, it's gaming time, Ben. We're going to be doing some trivia today. Okay, some trivia. We're doing uh, animated films. Oh, yeah. All right, Ian, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll kick it off. All right. So, in Toy Story, Woody was not originally a cowboy. Oh, God. What was Woody in the original (laughs) draft of Toy Story? Was he, A, a soldier? Was he, B, a diver? Was he, C, a lumberjack? Or was he D a ventriloquist dummy? That's tough. I tried to make it. I tried to make that's good. Tried to yeah, make it a good one for you, yeah. Because I have no idea about this at all. So I'm just gonna guess. Let's see what Disney might do. So okay, so soldier sounds like something to do. Diver. I'm gonna I'm gonna X out diver. Okay. Even though that's probably what it is. This was stupid shit. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say either for ventriloquist dummy or soldier. Okay, if you had to choose between the two. Ventriloquist dummy. Very good. He was a ventriloquist dummy, but the executives were afraid that it would be too associated with horror stuff, so they had him change it to cowboy. Okay. Um, the only reason, because I know that they come to life, that is the only way I went with it. I was about to go with soldier because that makes sense. Because there's also Patriotic soldiers in there. And, yeah. 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 I, I threw in Lumberjack because I thought I was being clever. I was like, his name's Woody. Maybe he's a Lumberjack. I was a... I completely forgot about the lumberjack thing. <laughs> Fuck, my Sorry. red herring didn't work. Okay. Hit me with one. What you got? Let me flex these brain musks, muscles. What was the name of the Atlantean love interest of Milo in the Disney film oh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire? Oh, shit. Phyla. Okay. Kaida or Kida, I think. I think it's Kaida. Okay. Mariah or Layla. So I'm going to go with Kaida just because I thought I remembered her being named something like Kit. I've only seen that film like twice. I know it's really good, but I haven't seen it a lot. What is it? It's it. That's correct. Oh, yeah. That is correct. Good guess. Fucking hell. Also, you were like, I don't know if I said that right, but I think it's like this. And I was like, that may be a real name then. Right. (laughs) True. Although I would do some shit like that to throw you off. That's true. That's true. You sneaky. All right. Good guess. Good guess. Thank you. Because I... I didn't really, I forgot that we were doing multiple choice and I was like, I'm just going to say fucking Kit. I was like, just just say Kit. Just do it. Kyla. Nice. All right. This one's a fun little thing. I I, I can't imagine what the next day at the office was like after this. Which of these films had 90% of its work deleted a year before its release? Fuck. Someone accidentally hit like a computer command that should not have been in the system (laughs) and it erased... 90% 90% of their movie, Fire their only saving grace, their only saving grace was that I think she was either a director or a producer or an editor. I know this is a wide range of jobs, but she had a backup at home that she was working on from home. And she is the only reason that we had this movie out on time. Wow. Which movie is it? Is it Inside Out? Is it Toy Story 2? Is it Cars? Or is it Brave? One more time, one more time. There's <laughs> options for you. Jeez. 90% of this movie was deleted before a year before its release date. Inside Out, Toy Story 2, Cars, or Brave? Brave? It was Toy Story 2. 
I eat, damn. I was like, there's no way. There's no way Pixar would be that neglectful. There you go. There you go. That's, that's a good one. That's what happened. Yeah. Jeez. She saved their asses. They wouldn't have had, there may not have been a Toy Story 2 if that had happened. Can you imagine mm-hmm. pouring 90% of your budget into a film, a multi-million dollar film, and then you come in the next day and it's like, yeah, someone sat on the escape key and oh now God. the computer ate itself. It's like. erased. <laughs> Holy shit. And that's my favorite. Toy Story. Mine too. Yeah. It was actually going to be a direct-to-DVD movie. Oh, thank God it wasn't because it's fantastic. It's actually really good, yeah. It's better than the third. It's better than the third. That's right. You heard it. We said it. <laughs> At us. At us, bro. Okay. That's a good one. Good one, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. You're coming up with the hot ones. Hot, hot, hot. Okay, this is uh, one for me. That's for you. <laughs> Just, uh, in The Little Mermaid, what is Sebastian's first name? What? Claudius. Lamar, Gregory, or Horatio? Oh, <laughs> fuck. Who the fuck has Sebastian as a last name? <laughs> fuck. Mm, can you give me give me the options one more time? Claudius, mm-hmm. Lamar, Gregory, or Horatio. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this one just because he kind of almost sort of not quite fits the archetype. I'm gonna go with Horatio. <laughs> Correcto Mundo. Oh, yeah. Good guess. Oh, fucking hell. And that's a perfect name. Whew. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love that name. Horatio Sebastian. I see why he just goes by Sebastian. It's a mouthful. Horatio Sebastian. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Jesus. Oh, it's a, you're on fire. Heating Woo! up. Heating up. All right. My third and final question for you, Ben. Okay. What was the final balloon count at the end of Up what? as the house sailed into the sky? Get <laughs> the fuck out of here was it a 10,297 was it b 20,456 was it c 101,101 or was it d 3,788 it's C. I don't know. You going with C? Yeah. 101,101? Like, 101, sure. It was A, 10,297. <laughs> fucking idea. I did thought you wanted you to venture again. I was like, I would have, but like, oh man. <laughs> I, I imagine they probably do say it a few times. He probably, he has a goal, right? Of how many balloons he wants in the fucking house. I don't remember. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that I, he says it multiple times. Okay. I just haven't seen Up in a very long time, so it's a good one. Another good one, because I don't think a lot of people will get that. Maybe the listeners will, or maybe they won't. Toy Story 2 is better than the third. Okay. My last question, Ian, are you ready? I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Here we go for all the marbles. Clean sweep. From Lilo and Stitch, what number experiment is Stitch? 902. 64201. 64201. No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. That's something else. 626. 6274. Fuck. 6274. Is that your final answer? God damn it. Don't fucking put me on blast like this. Uh, give them to me one more time. 902. Mm-hmm. 64201. Mm-hmm. 626. How dare you for that, by the way. 624. It's 624. It is 626. Fuck! No! <laughs> oh. Almost a clean sweep. That was oh. a good question. Oh, that was a good one, and I... Fifth is six two six. You were you were on. It's those twos. Is that six and two that threw you off? Yeah, I know. I love that's one of my favorite Disney movies too. Uh, I, I knew you had it. You, if I didn't have that other option, I there, you would have got it. Fifth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six four two. 
Oh, one. You you almost had me there. I was like, I know that. No- right, oh, yeah, that right. not from this, though. I know that number, but not from this. Sneaky number. <laughs> oh, man. Then that concludes our game portion. What up? That's some animated trivia for you, folks. If you guys have any uh, recommendations for games for us to play, send it on over. It has to be movie-related, of course, and we'll listen and we'll try to play it. Yeah, we'll play it. We'll embarrass ourselves. We'll play test your shitty trivia game. We- <laughs> Just give it a fucking shot. Box it up, we- send it on over. You never know till you go. You never know till you go. Oh, and once you pop, yeah. you really don't you stop. You don't stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh. All right, well, Ian, first of all, tell people what you're doing right now as an actor in Chicago. Yes, thank you. Uh, It is time for me to plug my show. Friends, if you're in Chicago, you got to check out my new show. I I don't own it. I'm just in it. But the show that I'm in that's called Amicable, it is going to be, it's a world premiere written by the incomparable Ross Compton, and it's directed by Tony Lowry. It is part of Theater Above the Law's 2018-2019 season. It's located in Rogers Park off the Jarvis Red Line. The specific address, 1439 West Jarvis. We open May 9th and we run till June 2nd every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's going fantastic. We are in the throes of rehearsal right now and I'm really excited to share this work with the world. And if we have any Chicago listeners, love to see you there. At me, message me, find me and connect with me so that way I can get you some discount counted tickets or something we're yeah. really excited to share this with you yeah you go because i'm going i'm gonna be there he gonna be there i'm gonna be there show enough well tell the people how they can contact you about the show and uh about this show my friends, if you want to contact me for any reason whatsoever, if you want to berate me, if you want to compliment us, if you want to talk about Ben's dulcet tones, you can reach me on Twitter at BabyGotKnack. You can find me on Facebook by venturing a guess at how to spell Ian Muntiner. Reach out to me however you want. Reach me on the Too Many Flicks email, all right? It's TooManyFlicks.Chicago at gmail.com. Just fucking do it. There's no end to the ways in which you could contact me, you know. Just do stuff. Just, do, just talk to me. I need some to talk to me. Uh, ben, how yeah. do folks talk to you? Well, you can talk to me via Twitter as well at, at BTJenkins91. I will respond, I think, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see what I'm doing. You will. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook if you want to. Be Benjamin Timothy Jenkins, full name. I'm sure you could spell that. Also, you can find Too Many Flicks on any social media platform. That's the number two and an X at the end. That's at Too Many Flicks, guys. Please, and remember, we watched all of the movies. So that you don't have to. Holla back.